dare great things for Christ. Christ calls us to dare great things. In the marketplace, as well as in the mission field, there has never been a time like the present for the spirit of the Catholic entrepreneur. Now is the time for men and women of great courage and great vision to engage our church and our culture. Now is the time to dare great things. And here is your host as we dare great things, Father Nathan Cromley, the president and founder of the St. John Institute. One of the biggest challenges a leader has is the fact that every one of us is responsible for the decisions that the people underneath us will make. How can I help the people whom I lead to make good decisions? St. Thomas Aquinas, in his Summa Theologica, writes a great deal about making choices. By following his teaching, we can have an insight that will help us to make good decisions and lead those around us to do the same. Thanks, everybody, for being here. I'm so excited to teach you about St. Thomas Aquinas. He is just amazing. And it's actually one of the things that I really think makes us unique at the St. John Institute because there's not many people out there that actually plunge into the Summa Theologica to get leadership training. But that's exactly what we do because we understand that the wisdom of Catholicism is practical. The wisdom of faith is practical. God did not come down to teach us a spiritual doctrine that didn't have an impact in our lives and didn't impact our practical lives personally. I mean, in fact, his teaching is supposed to help us to transform the world. If our spirituality doesn't have a practical impact or a fruitfulness in the actions of our own lives and in the lives of those who are around us, you actually kind of wonder if it's a real spirituality. I mean, it's kind of like people who say, well, you know, religion is about the heart. It's about the, the personal life. And you like to say, you know, I agree with you, but everyone's heart is in a body. And so that means that what happens in your heart ought to have a repercussion in your body. It ought to be seen. It ought to make an impact in the world around you. Just to separate your spirit from your body results in two things. First of all, it makes your spirituality anemic. I mean, in other words, you, you end up reducing your spirituality to a bunch of emotions. And boy, isn't that something that we do today? You know, you end up talking about God as the big salver of all of your emotional life. And it has nothing to do with your actual, the way that you make decisions, the decisions that you make, the priorities that you set. And that's why so many people can so easily just discount religion. It's kind of the opium of the masses. Makes you feel good if you need it. I don't need it. Therefore, I will be able to move on without it. And that's false. You do need religion. You absolutely need God. You need God in so many different ways. But if you just say, well, it's about emotionality, it's easy for people to discount God because you can get your emotional needs met by a dog. <laughs> Remember, dog is God spelled backwards, right? And so you see all these people walking their dogs everywhere. And that's getting their emotions fed. And they, I don't need God. I have my dog. You know, it's just, oh my goodness. Well, and the other thing that happens is that the physicality of your body becomes everything. So your religion becomes purely emotionality and you exalt the physicality of your body and in its own demands. You, in other words, compartmentalize your faith 
And this, it must not be. On the contrary, remember this. Jesus gave us faith so that our lives would be transformed, that our hearts would be filled and therefore direct our actions differently. A Christian who is walking by faith ought to make decisions differently. If your decisions aren't impacted and the priority of your day and the way you spend your time and the way you spend your, your money, frankly, the way that you lead your company is not impacted by your spirituality, I actually think that your spirituality is probably troubled, if not corrupted. Spirituality is always incarnate if it is Christian. We're those who follow the word made flesh, not the word made a nice idea. <laughs> okay? So let's just get that straight because this is why it's so wonderful to be able to study St. Thomas Aquinas because he emphasizes this all over the place. And I want to turn to my faith to fill the need that I have as a leader to both make good decisions myself and help other people to make those good decisions. I mean, let's just face it. That's one of the hardest things that we have as a leader. It's the people who are following us. You know, it's, it's kind of, it's ironic, isn't it? But you know, it's kind of like what, what, everything is fine when you're just doing it by yourself. You know, you're, I'm a solopreneur. I'm just knocking out of the ballpark. This is not that hard to do. I can do it. And you, and you are, you're very successful. You can do all kinds of things. But the moment you start to motivate other people, drive other people, help other people to move forward, ooh, suddenly all of the messiness of life kind of comes in front of you. And, and you realize that while you may, may have made a decision by instinct, and your instinct may have been 95% of the time correct, there, you know, your followers make decisions, well, maybe by bad instinct, <laughs> if by instinct at all, or they're incapable of making a decision like you could. And then you're kind of stuck. And then the bigger the team that you have underneath you, the harder this becomes because they simply say, well, what's, what's your SOP, right? Can you, what's the procedure I'm supposed to follow? What do I do when this happens and that happens? And you spend your time answering everyone else's questions about the decisions that they're supposed to make. And sometimes, frankly, they just can't even make them or they make them poorly and you find yourself stuck. This is why it's so important to take a moment like you're doing right now to pull out of your business and instead of doing your business, work on your business, all right? Work on how you lead to make good decisions. It's one of the biggest frustrations because some of the best business people out there are folks that, I mean, you're, you are where you are today as a success story because you've made great decisions, how do you pass that on? Or how do you communicate that why you made the decision that you made to the people underneath you? They're happy, happy to walk in, that, in your footsteps. They're happy to follow the path that you've laid out, but they don't know why you made the decision that you made. And sometimes, frankly, you're just not really good at communicating it. And so there can even be a breakdown where you by yourself or you with a small team are able to excel. But when you try to create an organization behind you of people to be able to make those same types of decisions that you made them, you find yourself, you know, flummoxed because why can't they see what I see? Why can't they do it the way that I do it? 
And so frankly, some businesses fail because of that, or they don't fail, but the leadership is really, it's really stymied. It's flawed. The people get frustrated. The morale goes down, communication breaks down, and everybody just waits for you, the great visionary founder that you might be, or the wonderful leader that you might be, and you know, taking things a whole new, to actually get out of the way because you can't communicate your spirit effectively. I want to address that because I want to teach you how you're actually doing what you're doing. This is where Thomas Aquinas comes in. He shows us the kind of the blueprint behind your very success. And if I can study that blueprint behind your success, I can then explain that and communicate that to the people who have to follow in your footsteps. And boy, when you can put that together, both make good decisions and help your people behind you to make those same good decisions, you've got a winning combination, my friend. And that's what it's all about. That's why you're here. That's why we're here at the St. John Institute. We want to get behind you with that. This is exciting. And Thomas Aquinas is our way forward. This is Father Nathan. Are you thinking of starting your own business or even better, thinking of starting your own ministry of some sort? As we know, success is not going to be determined solely upon spirituality. It also needs training, networking, understanding, and true leadership. This is why we started the St. John Leadership Institute in Denver, Colorado. Join our class this fall and start your business or your ministry on the right foot. Find out more on our website, stjohnleadershipinstitute.org. All right, so St. Thomas Aquinas, you, you know who this guy was, right? He was... An amazing Catholic priest, by the way, Catholic, you know, Dominican, a religious friar who just was super smart. He wrote so many great books, commented on the scriptures, did a lot of work of what we call theology. And what theology is, is you take sacred scripture and then you try to understand as much as you can about sacred scripture. So you write all kinds of things and you study all kinds of things. You discover things, you put them down, you try to make sense out of what God's word is saying so that you can go deeper with it. Okay, so St. Thomas did this in this, you know, did it in many different books, but the most famous that he wrote is called the Summa Theologica. That's a Latin title, right? And it basically means like a little summary of theology, right? The summary of theology. It's a little summa, a little condensed version of what theology is. And He intended it to be just a a book for beginners. He actually wrote that. He said, this is just a book for beginners. It kind of gives you an outline of how you can understand all of the word of God from a framework perspective. It's just that because he was so smart, right? What he wrote down as for beginners has occupied the greatest minds of Western civilization since. Everybody who's anybody reading the word of God comes across this book. It's a very thick book. You know, I mean, it's thousands of pages thick here. And, you know, they go come across this book. They wrestle with this book. They try to understand it. What I want to try to do with you is just pick out a section from it. The section where he talks about making choices and simply, simply show you what he teaches us about making choices and the light that he's giving us comes from God's holy word. It's just awesome. And so let's do that together, right? So before we do that, as always, let's start with a prayer and ask for God's grace. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Come, O Holy Spirit, Father of the poor, give us the courage to make good decisions. 
the knowledge to understand how we make them, the ability to follow you, and by following you, the truth to lead our people to better lives and impact our world for its true advancement. We make this prayer through Christ our Lord. Amen. St. John, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. All right, let's take a look here. Summa Theologica, we're going to look at what's called the first part of the second part, question 13, which is all about making choices. Let's put ourselves right where the question, you know, is found. How do I make good decisions? And how do I help my people to make good decisions? And so to, to understand this, let's first of all look at what a decision is. The very first aspect that every decision entails, he talks about in Article 6 of this question, and he says it has to be an act of freedom. This is the very first thing that it kind of stymies us, right? Because if it's freedom, then vision is going to be the key to enabling us to make a good decision. How well can my people actually see the playing field that they're supposed to play in? What Aquinas will say in this article, he'll say, you know, every decision that you have to make, it's not going to be about the ultimate final goal, right? The ultimate final goal is something that's set for every human being. It's called happiness, right? Whether we like it or not, all of us will seek our own happiness one way or the other. Everything else, though, he says, and of course, as a Christian, he then says that happiness is God, right? Being with God, it's not like it's an option. It's what all hearts are seeking, whether they like it or not, whether they know it or not. And so that everything else, though, becomes question of vision. How do I get to that ultimate happiness? And so if you break it down, your workers said, in order for me to get my ultimate happiness, I need to work for this job. In other words, like I need to get a job, I need to get payment. For some reason or other, they found themselves with you. And now you look around at your team and you just kind of smile at this little, you know, the group. They're all smiling back at you. And you all found yourselves on this wonderful journey called life. And for the next, you know, 10 years of our lives, we're going to be together eight hours a day, five days a week here and trying to make decisions together. But that's based upon a smaller decision. They're working for you, which means that they need to accomplish the goals of the company. So then you ask yourself, what are the goals of the company? Do they know? Can they freely dictate and find their way to accomplishing the goals? The easiest way to not get to where you want to be is to not know where you're going. It's just a simple law here. And when we constantly find ourselves in the wrong place, and if my team is constantly driving the truck to the wrong end point, you got to kind of ask yourself, do they have a map? You know, how many people on my team could actually repeat back to me what we're trying to accomplish as a goal? Do they have that vision? Your team cannot, it is free. Your t and that's so important. When you know that your people are free, well, then you need to make sure that they have a map so that they can steer the ship in the right direction, right? So very first point that Aquinas would want to make is since everybody has to make decisions on their own, 
you've got to make sure that we have a, a good communication about the objectives to be achieved. That's just absolutely essential. And it's something that a lot of us just skip because especially if you're good at doing it yourself, well, you, it's obvious to you where you want to go. Or sometimes it is obvious to you, but in your own way of thinking. And not everybody thinks the way that you think. This is a fascinating thought, you know, especially if you're in a growth point in your company where you took it from zero to 100 yourself and you're trying to hand it off from 100 to 200. It's a whole different thing for you to instinctively and without knowing how exactly make consecutive right decisions and for you to train somebody else to do the same just as and to do that, you've got to say in the first point is that my people are free. That is to say that they could choose this, they could choose that. Whereas you might say, I'm not even free. Like I know what I have to do. They don't know what they have to do. You've got to spend time putting out that vision, talking about that vision, making sure that they're clear on where we're going together. Because frankly, and this is Thomas talks about this in article five of the same of the same question. He says, you know, you've got the choice is always of things that are possible, not of things that are impossible. Right? So what are the realms? What are the, and when I'm making my field of vision, do my people know where the boundaries are? Okay. Maybe I just throw them out there and I say, Hey, make this happen. And then I get upset because they're constantly doing things that are out of bounds. Well, that's because you never told them the boundaries. You know, in order for them to make good decisions, they have to know what they actually can achieve and can't achieve. So if I got to make for free people a field of vision, the very first thing that I do is I start to say, here's where the choices are. This is where we could go this way or that way. You could go this way or that way in your freedom, but here's where you mustn't go because by knowing those limitations, they're going to be able to do that a lot better. You've got to just constantly go back to this fundamental truth. God made us free so that by our freedom, we could glorify him. The fact that your team is being empowered by you as a leader to freely choose of their, on their own to be able to steer this ship well and to do things well, that's a hallmark of an authentic Christian leadership. We're, we're not supposed to be the leaders that just create these systems where people are cogs in the wheel and they just are there every day to do the same thing and produce the same thing. If you really want to lift your workers up and get an even greater productivity, job satisfaction, retention rate, happy culture out of them, well, you need to say to yourself, what am I doing that's enabling them as free people to shine, free people to advance and do the great things that they can do? Right? And that's where your Christian leadership is really going to be seen. And that's exactly where Aquinas would say, start by saying, here's the realm of possibilities. And then here's the end we're going to achieve with those realm of possibilities. This is the objective we're looking for so that then you can make your roadmap for the next step, which is how do we best get to that end, knowing what we know. This is Father Nathan. I know that there are many ways to learn leadership and that there's many great methods out there that are even put forth by Catholics. But here at the St. John Leadership Institute, 
we actually have a unique way of forming leaders. It's called Audeo. That's Latin for I dare. At our campus in Denver, Catholics can learn an authentically Catholic way to become a leader. Check us out on our website, stjohnleadershipinstitute.org. Being a leader is really hard. That's why God chose you to do it. I always like to go back to that great movie, right? With Jimmy Stewart in it. It's a wonderful life where God shows Jimmy Stewart what the world would look like if he hadn't lived in it, right? His character, George Bailey. And the world would have been disaster. Evil would have flourished, etc. All because this simple good man chose to do good things. And I love that film because it reminds us, each one of us, of the importance that God has placed on the simple leadership that you exhibit every day in your business. You might be tempted to say, I'm doing business work, therefore I'm not doing God's service. Remember that the order that you give to your workflow, the culture that you create in your company, the interactions that you put into an organized system to create a positive outcome, all change the world concretely. You are on the front lines of the church's mission to save the world. And the church is going to save the world through you. And you need to be absolutely convinced of this. Because what I'm teaching you here from St. Thomas Aquinas is not some sort of erudite exercise. This is something that's going to make a big impact concretely in the businesses that you run. And to do those businesses well is essential for the ordering of society, for the advancement of our common initiative, and for the preparation in hearts for the full reception of God's grace. I want you to to do your business and to lead it well. Well, that's why looking at what he says here, this is question 13 of the first part of the second part of the Summa. Thomas talks about this choice. He talks about making decisions. And he says, every decision is an act of the intellect, an act of the mind. Isn't that amazing? It's an act of the mind that presents to the will, to the appetite of a person, what is good to be done. So it both looks like something that they do by their appetite, like they want to do it. They're motivated to do this choice, but the choice, the motivation begins in the intellect and he makes it really practical. He says, what happens is that you're able to show the people underneath you the link between what they are doing now and what they are achieving so that they understand that by going from A to C through B, B is necessary to get them to C. In order for me to get my kids to want to go to church, I need to show them how going to church is going to help them with their greater goals in their life. In order to help motivate my, my, my 13-year-old to mow the lawn, I need to show them that mowing that lawn is a step towards something that's even greater, even better. Motivation, in other words, doesn't come from the outside by coercion. It doesn't come from the outside by manipulation. That's not leadership. The motivation of a free person is to show the person how the action that they could want to do is actually desirable in itself. 
You need to unveil the goodness of the things that you want them to choose. What an amazing insight this is for the motivation at your workplace. And we try to motivate people by salary. You know, the the studies say that an increase in salary will generate a better working attitude in the person you've given it to for two months. But at the end of two months, they're at the same level of output as they were before the salary increase. I think it's fine to give salary increases, but it's, it's the, the point is that that salary increase is not enough to change working habits or to change working culture. It needs to be a part of something bigger. Boy, is that ever illustri- you know, illustrative for us. What is that something bigger? It needs to be able, you need to be able to show your people how the decisions that they're making are going to impact the, the objective, which itself is tied to their ultimate goal, which is happiness. So gosh, if I can be happy by working here and I can do by doing what I'm going to do, I'm going to make what I do here more meaningful or I make what I do here more profitable for me, more pleasant for me, more, you know, rich, enriching for my personal life and even my bank account. Well, then let's make sure that what we do, we do right. I motivate my people's will by the intellect, ordering, showing the order between what they're doing now and what their real goals are inside for their family, for their person, for their happiness, for their pocketbook. It's, it, that's a, it, he even talks about it as what he calls a practical syllogism. That, that's fancy words, but what it means is to say that when you make a decision, the this is what we will do comes from seeing how what, the activity that I need to engage in to get to that point is actually linked to where I'm trying to go in the end analysis. My job as a leader, therefore, is to always embody that end goal, but to embody that end goal in the concrete means that I have around me, the concrete world that my people live in. They, they ought to know me by the way that I interact with them, the way I understand their circumstances, my knowledge of their processes, my proximity to what they're actually living in and encountering so that I can motivate them to not lose hope in the weeds that they're in every single day of that end goal. And by so doing, I'm empowering their minds to make the right decisions with me or without me, because knowing both where they are in their circumstances and where they're trying to go, they find the way forward strategically and intelligently. This is exactly what our Lord does with each one of us. This is exactly the pattern that we're supposed to follow in our workplace as well. Free agents, knowing what is possible and what is impossible, who have an end goal to accomplish in a given set of circumstances, and are able strategically to go from point to point to point to point to the end goal. A goal accomplished through objectives defined out in tasks. Sounds like good management, doesn't it? It all comes from St. Thomas Aquinas, and it's a pattern not just for business, but for every other aspect of our lives as well. Dare great things for Christ. Share your feedback with Father Nathan. Send us an email at info at stjohninstitute.org. That's info at stjohninstitute.org. And don't forget to subscribe to premium video content to form, unite, and inspire you at Eagle Eye Pro on our website, eagleeyeministries.org. That's eagleeyeministries.org.